Good evening, good afternoon, good night, or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Welcome to the Film Realist Podcast, the film and TV podcast from a complete nobody. That's hopefully for somebody. This is episode 10. 10 episodes. Pretty good milestone. Consistent 10 episodes. I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty proud of myself for getting this far on a one-man show. Minus guests. Of course, there's going to be guests throughout the run of the show, but... I am Kyle Naranya. I am the consistency. Welcome. So episode 10 is going to be jam-packed with what I believe are the hottest top news topics, at least ones that I'm going to want to discuss, and a review of Werewolf by Night, the TV special that is released day of recording pre- this previous Friday on Disney+. Plus. I'm going to get into that. There are going to be spoilers and non-spoilers, so any if you want to jump around in the episode, time codes will be in the description. I have failed to do this for nine episodes, and I'm going to make sure that I start doing it now. The music slash theme song for the show has been provided by the band You Vs. Me. You can find their music on all the different music streaming platforms. So shout out to the band You Vs. Me for that excellent theme song. So I know that the listeners want me to get into Super Mario, and I want to get into Super Mario the first trailer, that is. But before I get into that, there are a couple smaller topics that I want want to get into. So I'm going to get into those before. Let's do that. So the first little bit of news to address is that it has been, Patty Jenkins has revealed that the script for Wonder Woman 3 is complete. This is one of the last few remaining franchises that is specifically connected to the Zack Snyder universe. Obviously, Wonder Woman 1, was, he- was Zack was heavily involved and I believe had a co-story credit. Now, I may be incorrect on that, but regardless, that film was heavily connected to Batman vs. Superman and had significant connections to Zack Snyder's Justice League and Justice League, the theatrical cut. So it is interesting to see that Patty Jenkins has come out and confirmed that because previously she was attached to... Rogue One, not Rogue One, Rogue Squadron, my mistake, which was going to be the ultimate fighter pilot film. And then a little film called Top Gun Maverick came out. And as typical for Lucasfilm announcements, it would appear that quietly Patty Jenkins has left that project. So it would appear that in the meantime, she had been working on Wonder Woman 3, which is exciting. I know. I would say a majority of the audience was not a fan of Wonder Woman 2 or Wonder Woman 1984. Or is it Wonder Woman 84? Regardless, it takes place in 1984 in that it is a very different film in terms of tone, even to some some degrees, maybe the structure. But ultimately, I think it was a fun throwback to those 80s style superhero films, particularly with the Christopher Reeve films. Uh, Very much so like Superman 3 and two, the non-Richard Donner cut, which is the superior cut, if you ask me. But I'm excited for this. I think that Gal Gadot has been is very well cast. I know that I missed a mailbag question earlier last week where it was asked what my favorite DC castings were of all time, specifically DCEU, which they're not officially actually referring to as their shared universe, and particularly with Black Adam coming up in a couple weeks. We don't even know if there are going to be connections to the what was the DCEU, but my answers were Henry Cavill as Superman, Ben Affleck as Batman, 
and Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Those were my personal favorites. I have enjoyed a lot of the casting, but as it's clear, if you've been following any comic book news or just paparazzi news, to, to be quite frank, it uh, there's been some issues with some of the casting legally and uh, in the public eye more recently, which is unfortunate, but I am excited that Wonder Woman 3 is going to be a go. I'm very curious what kind of style this movie is going to be. Is this finally going to be a movie that is post the Snyder Cut? Or the regular Justice League where we get to see Wonder Woman in the modern day. Because that is something that I would be looking forward to. I think even though I'm somebody who really enjoys the Amblin style of filmmaking. That being the mid-80s. Stranger Things being heavily 80s uh, influenced clearly. Given the time period it takes place in. As well as things like the It films. The first one anyways. Well the second one chapter 2 does have some flashback scenes. But taking place heavily in the 80s. It would nice. It'd be nice to see Wonder Woman surrounded by modern world events. And to see how the character would react to those. Would be something I'm interested in. So I'm happy to hear that the script is done. And that came from Patty's own mouth. So before getting. Or not before that. The next piece of news actually connects to the. One of the main news stories that we covered last week, which was that, I say we, just as a group, it, I discussed it, but that's besides the point, that we had a community community movie announcement that is going to be released on Peacock, if you did miss the news, but that is going to, that was announced to have most of the original cast with Joel McHale, Allison Brie, Gillian Jacobs, Danny Pudi, Ken Jeong, and Jim Rash were back. But there was no, obviously the noticeable admissions from that casting announcement were Yvette Nicole Brown and Donald Glover. Chevy Chase was not an omission. That was deliberate. And Den Harmon has even said he's not even sure legally if they could include him in the show. No, does, nor does he really want to. So, But Dan Harmon was speaking at a convention and said that while it may have not been official news at the time, he is under the impression that Donald Glover will be in the film because that has been the impression that he was given and that just some T's and I's have to be, T's have to be crossed and I's have to be dotted before they could, went prior to the announcement happening, they weren't able to do that. So he is said that Don Glover will be in the film, or at least he believes so. And if the guy who's going to be writing the film is saying that, then I think it's fairly safe to say, unless something really poorly happens in negotiations, usually these things often get out before contracts have been signed. Just somebody, a news groundhog, digs it, digs up some sort of scoop and gives it out. But that was not the case with this community announcement. And the fact that Dan Harmon has said that is, I think, very encouraging I don't believe he would have said it if he was under the impression it wasn't going to happen, which is very exciting. Donald Glover being a character with Troy Barnes, who notably, spoilers, I guess, for season five of Community, go back and watch all of Community if you want, then come back here, that he left very abruptly in the show, oh, I believe it's episode eight, if not partic if not earlier. I, I should have looked this up prior, but uh, I'm... He left to go fill out his mission that Pierce had left him to receive all of his salary. Which episode was this? Troy Barnes. I should have looked this up and I didn't, but that's the benefit of running live. We always have the opportunity to look up most of our mistakes and figure them out at the later on. 
But yeah, I'm excited about this. Donald Glover is clearly a very talented individual when it comes to writing, producing, an artist when it comes to music. And that makes me very, very happy that it would appear he is coming back for the show. Uh, geothermal, I don't know. It, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, it's in the, the first ten, at least. I'm sorry for that. That he uh, he will be back. It's I'm really hoping that this means likely we're going to get Yvette Nicole Brown. Now, that I'm basing that on absolutely nothing, but having the entire original cast minus Chevy Chase would be awesome. I think it would be a stupendous return for the show to have 99% of the ensemble that made Community what it was. And ultimately, I'm happy we're getting a movie, but something closer to the first couple seasons, which were the height of the show's success, would be something that I'd be very, very happy for them to return to. Now, the next piece of news may not be big for everybody, but it is something that I am excited about. I recently, in the past year finished all of supernatural which is a very long show 15 whole seasons i own the entire series on blu-ray i bought that on a prime day sale which was awesome and obviously the cw has been has had significantly less shows in their fall lineup but the winchesters which is a prequel to the supernatural show which is all about uh john winchester meeting meeting his wife and learning all about uh, being a hunter is moving forward at the CW with Jensen Ackles producing and under the impression that it was mostly going to be characters we had not seen before, but it was announced at Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con this weekend uh, date that I am recording this. I forgot to mention that if you are Canadian and you are listening to this within the week of release, happy Thanksgiving. If you are somewhere else in the world, I hope you had a good weekend. It happened to be a long weekend for me, which was awesome. But ironically enough, CW alumni and Lucifer season three alumni, Tom Welling, will be joining the show as Samuel Campbell, who is Sam and Dean's maternal grandfather, uh, which is interesting because that character did appear in at, off the top of my head. I believe it's three seasons of the show, but he was played by a different actors, obviously, given the time frame being played by Mitch Pelegi, which was. An interesting dynamic given how his relationship was very strained, but on and off with Sam and Dean Winchester. I, I find it interesting that we are getting a character that, if you are a diehard fan of Supernatural, you would be very familiar with. But it is really interesting to me that Tom Welling is diving back into a CW show. Typically, these shows do not shoot close to L.A. I know that the Walker shows shoot in Texas, but I'm I believe... The Winchesters shoot in Vancouver. And if you are listening to the Talkville podcast with Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling, they mention a significant amount of time being spent in Vancouver. Filming for the pilot began in throughout New Orleans. I don't know where it's shooting, but it'll be interesting if Tom Welling has actually decided to return to Vancouver where he spent 10 years of his life. That is pretty remarkable that he is willing to join the show and continue to spend more time in Vancouver. Now, if he is a recurring guest star, that would obviously emphasize that he is not there for a significant amount of time. But if he is a regular, 
that's a lot of time to be spending in in Vancouver again after spending 10 years of doing so. So I can't seem to find specifically where it's shot. It would it actually may be shooting closer to home for Tom Willing, which I know is said he has said is important given the fact that he does have a young family. But are you excited for Tom Welling coming back into the CW verse? I am a big fan of Smallville. I am listening to their podcast, as I've mentioned earlier. I also have that Blu-ray set. Uh, if you want to see that, what those actually look like, you can see them on Twitch. I do stream the podcast live at twitch.tv slash filmrealists. Don't forget, Realists has two E's. But if you're listening to episode 10 of the show, I would hope that you know. But maybe you missed it. I don't say it in every single episode. Now, the big piece of news is that we finally received a trailer for the Super Mario Bros. movie, which is a co-production between Illumination, Pictures, and Nintendo. I have a lot to say about this trailer, and I um, I have a, uh, a mixed relationship with Nintendo. It thoroughly frustrates me that they charge full price for their video games when... There is a significant amount missing, especially with the current cost of video games. There are things that I find unacceptable that they are not including in their content or in their games that is standard at this point. One of those things being just regular voice acting. Now, I understand that when you do not have to hire voice actors and you can just put in subtitles in different languages, that is significantly cheaper and that would ultimately increase your profit margin because you are having to spend less on the game. Pokemon is a billion dollar franchise and I find that very frustrating that they're not doing things like that. Obviously, we've had Mario with a with a voice for quite a long time being Charles Martinet. Off the top of my head, now I'm confirming that's exact. Yeah, Charles Martinet, who will have a small role in the film, but ultimately he is not playing Mario, so let's get into how I feel about this trailer. Visually, I think it is a fantastic adaptation of the more modern design of Mario. It looks very similar to the theme park that they're developing in Japan. And I believe it's Florida. I believe it would have to be given the amount of space. It, it looks like it's taking up, but also with the character design, they are very well rendered, beautifully lit character models. Mario is a little different looking, but it would appear that they've made his face slightly smaller. That might be to tone down the cartoonish look, which I find quite funny given illuminations, previous films if you're not familiar with the studio they've produced all of the despicable me's obviously that would go in hand with the minion films and that would also include sings one and two secret life of pets which had two films the grinch the lorax and i believe that's it when it comes to illumination pictures i know that we are getting a despicable me four no, that is it. Secret Life of Pets. Yeah, that's all of their films. I believe they're working on more adaptations of Dr. Seuss properties, one being Cat in the Hat. Now, that may have been shelved, but I believe that was announced previously. But yes, so Jack Black, I think, is fantastic as the role of Bowser. Now, I don't believe I've meant I've talked about the casting specifically, but it is Jack Black has become a pro when it comes to voice acting in the movie realm, particularly. It's a very different skill set than something like uh, on camera acting or even TV voice acting and 
on camera acting are very, very different skills. Everything needs to be conveyed through the sound of your voice. And not every on camera actor is capable of doing that to the level that a seasoned voice actor would be able to do that. And one of the great examples of this in the trailer is that the Penguin King is voiced by a voice actor legend with Kari Payton. But you would know him as Aqualad in Young Justice, as well as on camera as King Ezekiel in The Walking Dead, Cyborg in Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go. He's an absolute legend in in the in the voice actor space. And Jack Black, obviously as Poe from the Kung Fu Panda films, is able to hold his own. And it's a fantastic scene, that opening sequence with the two of them establishing the power that King Bowser is capable of. We get to see Kamek, who is the little wizard, shooting spells and whatnot. And then we do get to see... Um, <laughs> we do get to see Mario, which would appear that he is in the Mushroom Kingdom for the first time. And this is all ultimately the biggest problem with the trailer. Everybody's talking about it. I don't think I'm going to have the most unique take about this because the trailer is about three or four days old at this point. But it's just Chris Pratt doesn't seem to know exactly what know what he's doing. Now, he has done successful voice acting in the past, but Emic Brichtowski from the Lego films is more just an elevated Chris Pratt for a character like Mario where he has been around for 40 years, 40 plus years, 41 years, if you include the original Donkey Kong game that he was in. But obviously having a voice later on with Charles Martinet, not significantly longer after that, you are used to his voice. Now, yes, you could argue it's a stereotypical Italian accent, but if anything... There should be some wiggle room with this voice to do something unique. And ultimately what is frustrating about this is that it just sounds like a lazy Chris Pratt voice performance. And what makes that especially worse is you hear Keegan-Michael Key voice Toad and the energy level of this character. Now, if you're listening very carefully, I think if you have a trained ear for voice acting, you would be able to hear that it's Keegan-Michael Key pitching himself up. But the energy level and the enthusiasm behind that character and not wanting Mario to eat a poison mushroom is absolutely fantastic and hilarious. Some of the gags in this trailer are very illumination. I'm not somebody who I would say these films are very good. I think they know exactly who their target audience is, but I do not believe they're going to last the test of time. There are obviously moments from the Despicable Me's that have moved on. The Minions are obviously a billion dollar entity on their own, but clearly they have had success and I can understand why Nintendo wants to involve themselves with the studio where each film seems to be making a billion dollars and of course at the end of the day this is always about making money but Chris Pratt doesn't do anything interesting in this I find it hilarious because you hear Charlie Day scream very briefly as he is voicing Luigi and it's absolutely hysterical because Charlie Day is known for his high energy and his high-pitched voice and that scream is amazing and you can hear the this how terrified this character is i'm hoping the next trailer they actually attempt to show off chris pratt doing something interesting but i think what also makes this worse is that chris pratt has said it's going to sound like nothing you've heard from him before and that's not what happened at all so i would much rather him have him had him say nothing than give what we hear and i don't think it was it did him any favors, and I don't think it did this movie any favors. Now, do I think children are going to care about that? No. But if you grew up with these games like I did, I don't think it's it's 
it's a good way to market this film to have everybody making fun of it being memed doesn't make you a good movie look at morbius sony they released that film twice because they didn't know any better but i mean when does sony know any better but that's that's how i feel about it right now it looks cool i think it'll be fun i don't think it's going to be bad but it's unfortunate where nintendo has been so afraid to make films since the original super mario bros movie with bob hoskins and john leguizamo we got detective pikachu and now we're getting this and i am i'm disappointed that it seems very cut and dry i think the visuals are going to be amazing I don't know if the jokes are going to hold up, and I don't know what the story is going to be so far. Obviously, I mentioned earlier, we get teases that Mario is entering the Mushroom Kingdom for the first time, which certainly adds a level of awe and spectacle to a character learning and experiencing the environment for the first time. We will also be in Mar Mario's shoes as everything is happening, and he gets sucked through some tunnels, gets some firepowers, and it's clear that the MacGuffin of the film is a star which is certainly interesting because that was the first real incredible power-up in the Super Mario games. You had the Fire Flower and you had the Star, which makes you invincible and make you run fast. So I think that's really cool in paying homage to the history of Super Mario, but we also know that Donkey Kong is going to be in this, Cranky Kong. So I hope it's not just a ton of Nintendo references for the sake of, I actually hope we get a good movie out of this because it would be great. I'm, I love the Mario franchise. Now, I haven't played every game, but there it holds a special place in my heart. And I hope that uh, the producers and the writers behind it do give us something special. Now, I want to talk about the review, which is Werewolf by Night. Now, we're going to be jumping into a non-spoiler segment of the show. And I am going to tell you about how I feel about this film. I so non-spoilers I'm not going to get into any plot details I'm going to avoid any specifics because that would not be a spoiler I'm just going to tell you my general thoughts on what I thought of the film and so that's going to be very difficult because it's only an hour long so there are things that I can get into but there are also things that I'm going to not be able to get out or get out be able to avoid at all so i'm going to do my best and not talk about any particular spoilers now it's most interesting is this is michael giancino's first directorial work with the marvel cinematic universe he is a notable composer with them he has composed the entire trilogy of spider-man films now technically i understand that was sony but that also would go under the uh, MCU banner so but as a composer he has done the com the scores for he did do the score for this he composed the score for the Batman Lightyear Thor Love and Thunder what, what other Disney movies has he done Rogue One Star Wars Story Zootopia Star Trek's Needless to say, it's pretty exciting. So the other things that he had directed prior to this were some shorts for Star Trek. So this is a big swing, especially for for Marvel to give a first-time director something like this. But given that it is a streaming movie, which is not even an hour long, I think ultimately they were successful. I thoroughly enjoyed the B-movie serialness of this. It feels like you are jumping into potentially the, the start of a... Of, of a series you get an opening as to what particularly is going on with this a little bit exposition heavy but that's okay it the whole f 
It's in black and white, so it certainly adds this aged quality to it. We get a lot of notable film camera effects, even though I'd be sh- I'd be shocked to know if this actually did shoot on digital or not, or film, I should say. But I enjoyed this quite a bit. I think it's cast well. The visual effects are good because they're done very bare minimum. Gail Garcia Bernal, I really enjoyed as Jack Russell, Laura Donnelly, as Elsa, Ilsa Bloodstone was awesome, and Harriet Sanson Harris as Verusa Bloodstone was awesome. We get to see a bunch of other monster hunters in this. Obviously, you do know there's a werewolf in it, and I think the everything being done practically outside of Man-Thing, I really do think fits with the overall tone and retro vintage look that this has where it's trying to look like something from the 50s where you would have in the world of so and so jack russell goes to i it certainly fits in with that tone it's not a voice that uh the impression that i did just did does not necessarily fit with the uh the actual narration but it is done in a low budget style for the most part i think the action itself is all right. It feels very TV. I'm glad that this was not released as a feature film. I don't know if it was originally intended to be longer, but ultimately it's it's under an hour. There are rumors that Gail Garcia Bernal did not enjoy. Well, I believe it's quoted to saying he hated the actual werewolf makeup, and that may or may not be why we see as much of him as we do. But the stuff that we do see from him is really good. I'm looking forward to seeing how they expand this monster aspect of the MCU there it does a lot of heavy lifting with establishing that yes there's all these things going on there are some um, some easter eggs throughout the film or TV special it's an hour I guess it's not technically a film it could be like a long miniseries episode I would actually in fact really enjoy watching a miniseries of this where we just get to see kind of the monster world through the eyes of of Jack who is in fact spoilers I guess if you really aren't paying attention but it's on the poster that uh, his experiences as a werewolf, like is he always doing what he's what he does in this TV special or is he kind of just bumbling around Hulk style? I would certainly be interested in watching something like this. And what particularly I enjoyed most about it was that this is rated M14 in the United States. I do not I am one second. I should check to see exactly what is rated in Canada because this is more violent than a typical MCU movie or TV show, which are technically, they uh, tend to fit with PG up up in Canada and PG-13 in the United States. But I, uh, I'm just trying to check this really quickly, and it's not working out for me. Let's see. Werewolf by Night. So it's TV4. So it's 14A if you are uh, up here in Canada. So it is. they're allowed to have more violence. Maybe some dismembering and uh, more blood, but also one of the ways you can get get away with not having it be overly too high on the rating scale, especially if you are in America, is the blood's in black and white. So if blood isn't red, the rating isn't higher. But no, I enjoyed this as a whole. It's something that I think will be a great rewatch around Halloween, particularly because it does kind of feel like a bottle episode of the MCU. There are not... There are some not I wouldn't even describe them as teases to other things we've seen. There's some paintings that may look familiar if you are an eagle-eyed viewer, but 
this would be a fun rewatch around the holiday season. I think that is particularly why they released it in the beginning or in the first week of October. And it's something that I am looking forward to watching over and over again during the Halloween season. I think it fits in perfectly with that. And it it's spooky and it's scary and it has its jump scares. So without further ado, I would like to get into spoilers. So I'm going to get into spoilers for werewolf by night if you do not want to hear spoilers you can jump to the end of the episode werewolf by night it is a i wouldn't even describe as gory film ultimately but it is let's get into the plot details because we can we're in spoilers so following the death of ulysses bloodstone awesome name by the way now i should mention that there has been a significant amount of references to potentially midnight suns now this area of the mcu not the mcu of the marvel comics realm universe is not something i have a huge expertise in so if there are things you catch that i'm sure they're on articles i'm gonna shout out to friend of the show and guest rob keys there are some articles on screen rant about easter eggs throughout and what this could mean moving forward but Back to the plot. So Ulysses Claw uh, gathers a group of monster hunters and to go on a monster hunt. And the winner will receive the Bloodstone, which is a MacGuffin that lets you fight monsters. It's essentially like Kryptonite, uh, to go back to the Smallville references earlier in the show, for monsters. It can bring out their monstrous side or it can hurt them in many ways or shoot big energy beams, kind of whatever the story needs it to do at the time. So we see that Jack Russell is there. He is the werewolf played by Gail Garcia Bernal. And he is not actually there to hunt or kill the monster, which turns out to be his friend Man-Thing, also known as Ted. And he teams up with Laura Donnelly's character, Elsa Bloodstone, who was the lame duck of the family. She left and was disowned which naturally it would have made her the the owner of the bloodstone. It's funny that it's named after the family or maybe it was they just made decided that the last name should be bloodstone after finding the bloodstone. I'm not actually sure. There's a lot of exposition in this and given that it's Thanksgiving, I had a very limited window to squeeze squeeze this in. But yeah, I think the action in this is fun. It like I said in the non-spoiler segment, it is certainly on a TV scale budget that we are not getting fight scenes that are remotely close to something like The Winter Soldier or daredevil there is no blade there is no moon knight there are not teases to the larger world which i found a little disappointing but to some degree that i would put that on my own expectations as i said in the non-spoilers i think this really does work as a condensed story we do only get the werewolf for about the back 15 minutes which is frustrating given the fact that it is called werewolf by night ultimately jack gets captured because he is working with Ilsa and they bring out the werewolf hoping he's going to kill her because her mom is uh, a a real piece of work. The security working for the Bloodstones is the TVA. uh, Whoop-dee-doo. Loki is one of the worst shows that Disney has made because ultimately it hasn't really mattered. And that's frustrating because you would think something dealing with the multiverse would seem to actually have an impact as opposed to introducing a villain that ultimately is not the villain moving forward because we're going to get a different version of that villain. But that's besides the point. Yeah, the TVA is in it. Whoop-dee-doo. I, um, I think the chemistry between Gale 
and Lore's really, really good. I like seeing them together. <laughs> I thought it was quite comical when we see... It's not supposed to be, but when Jack is smelling Ilsa because he does want to remember her because he does not want his werewolf side to be this actual monster. And we get to see the humanity. Like, like I said, the practical elements in this are really, really good. They do fit in that TV serial quality. And because it's deliberate, I think it works. If this was just, if this was an MCU movie, I don't think that would have worked at all because it would have looked cheap. Not that the makeup's bad, but if this were a film, I would be shocked if this didn't get a full CGI treatment or even if it was running, as I said. It would be really cool to see this as a miniseries, but not sure if that is going to happen. The reception to this has been very good, and I'm not surprised. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked getting to see... Men thing run around is a cool character. I I also like Swamp Thing. I think those characters are really interesting and visually they're there's while similar, they they do different things to some degree. But uh, I like seeing the the bro friendship between the two of them, particularly at the end when Man Thing makes Jack Russell a coffee after he finally becomes a human and wakes up in the morning. I really did like the fact that like I said earlier, this is a spoiler. The film is shot in black and white while you were experiencing everything going on with the monster hunt and the bloodstone compound. But once Ilsa has taken over, it brings new life to the the organization and color returns as she sits down to now be the matriarch of the world of monster hunters. And in doing so, we also get to see color with Jack waking up in the forest with man thing and there certainly are elements of this that are similar to wizard of oz which was also shot black in black and white in kansas before she shows up in the the wizard what is uh, oz i almost forgot what the land was called it's called oz and the reason i say that is we do hear somewhere over the rainbow in the film and i love that connection to it if you're paying attention to the use of color it can be really impactful and i think that the film doing so is really really effective overall i think the special is worth watching even if you are not an mcu fan it is just a fun monster serial that totally fits in with this time of the year i'd be very curious if the breadcrumbs left in this are going to move forward in the mcu but really when do they actually do anything that doesn't mean anything so far they haven't done that even st like we've talked there are going to be breadcrumbs from other films 10 plus years ago that are moving forward now in other pieces of news. So yes, I very much enjoyed this. I am looking forward to seeing more. I am no longer going to be giving spoilers. So that way, if you did not want to hear them, you won't. Next week's episode of the show will be about She-Hulk season one as a whole, as the date of that will the final episode for that will air between this week this episode and next week i look forward to looking at that show as a whole as a, as more re frequent with the show i am going to see what news topics i feel like talking about and then i'm going to bring them up if there is a news topic you would like me to talk about or if you would like to have a conversation about something i didn't talk about on the show you can tweet at me directly at kyle underscore naranya that's n-o-r-o-n-h-a or you can tweet at at film realist that's film f-i-l-m realists at r-e-e-l-i-s-t-s that does it for the show i hope you enjoyed this episode i will see you next time